What is up everybody, this is Ryan here with you today for The Scale-Up Show. I have an awesome CEO co-founder on today. I have Matt Blumberg, who's a co-founder and CEO at Bolster. Something cool about Matt, he's written three books on the startup CEO, the startup CXO, and startup boards. He was actually voted one of the number two best companies to work for in America before um, because of the cultural situation that they created. And he breaks that apart piece by piece on exactly what you need to do to make that a reality in your business to create the highest performing teams. And so you're not going to want to miss this episode. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Matt Blumberg. Matt is the co-founder and CEO of Bolster a three-time author for the Startup CEO, the Startup CXO, and Startup Boards. He was actually ranked number two as the best company to work for in America in the mid-size category previously. Has also been recognized as one of New York's 100 most influential technology leaders by Business Insider. Matt, welcome. Happy to have you on the show, man. Thanks, Ryan. It's great to be here. I love the topic of scaling. That is the world I live in. So... That's awesome, man. And uh, you got some awesome baseball card stats, too. So uh, I'm excited to harness some of that knowledge and uh, share that with you, the listener, because I, I think your background is very unique and uh, very interesting, especially when we just caught up before. So to give everybody some context in terms of where you're at in the journey, where are you at in terms of your ARR? Uh, the current company, Bolster, uh, is uh, still pretty early stage. We, we got started uh, in the beginning of the pandemic. So 2020, we're a little over two years old. Nice. And um, we'll probably do, we're a marketplace. So it's transactional okay. revenue. It's not uh, recurring uh, revenue, uh, but we'll do about 4 million this year, uh, gross services revenue, GSV, and about 2 million of net revenue, uh, which is not bad for the second year of operations. Yeah, that's, I think that's fantastic. Um, and then- What's your primary go-to-market strategy in terms of growing revenue? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, so our client uh, is the CEO, the founder, the CEO of early stage and mid-stage companies, not huge companies. Um, and it's a little tricky to find those people. Those people don't um, tend to respond to normal B2B marketing uh, outreach and search and, uh, and such. So we do a lot of content. Um, the books are part of that. We do a lot of events um, and we work a lot with um, investors. So with venture capital firms and with accelerators and studios, uh, because they tend to be involved when a founder or a CEO is doing um, a search for an executive or a coach or a mentor or a freelancer or a consultant. Um, so uh, so that's part of our, our go-to-market mix. Love it, man. How large is your team? I think we're about 32. 32. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And then you described your solution. So can you just give like a, maybe a two sentence snapshot on a little more detail on yeah. how the marketplace works and, and who I know you said serve CEOs, but um, we just love the details. Yeah. The bolster marketplace connects uh, CEOs of startups and scale ups with senior executives. So it's only marketplace to find senior executive talent. Um, you can find senior executive talent for anything from a uh, full-time role to a, a part-time executive role, which is a, a growing thing, fractional executive, uh, to a mentor or a coach or someone to do a project or an expert consult session with you. 
And um, we have a bunch of different models. You can do self-serve in the marketplace, like you would go to Airbnb and you know book a uh, book a place to stay. Um, we also do a lightly assisted model. We do a full service model. So um, any any way that uh, that we can help um, a startup be more successful by um, scaling their leadership team, scaling uh, their CEO's capabilities, or scaling their board, um, we are the place to come. That's awesome. Uh, and then. I know uh, from the research that you're funding, could you just say what funding stage you're in? Yeah, we've done two rounds. Um, I'm a little wary of saying we're a Series B company because I think there's been such great inflation with Series. We have done two financings. You can call that whatever you'd like. <laughs> um, uh, you, you can say we're seed stage. You can say we're Series B. Uh, but we have a, a great syndicate. Some investors that I've worked with at my prior company, uh, Union Square Ventures, Foundry, and Costa Nova Venture Capital. Uh, two new ones uh, for this company, Silicon Valley Bank uh, and High Alpha. So great, great mix of um, uh, B2C and B2B and uh, uh, SVB is a powerhouse strategic investor. Nice. Well, that's awesome, man. So like, obviously, it's super intriguing what you do. And you're kind of like in the same boat as me where, and and you're right, SaaS CEOs are, or startup CEOs are, are, are difficult people to find. So Definitely want to dig into your go-to-market and, and hear that. And I'll, I'll share some insights that I've had just from serving the same audience. However, like before we do that, can you just give a little bit of a backdrop in terms of how you got to this point um, and just your journey along the way? Yeah, so I'm a um, multi-time uh, tech business builder uh, over the last 25 years. And um, uh, you know, I would say there are a couple of through lines uh, in that that lead to Bolster. Um, one is uh, a through line of coming up with innovative solutions that you know are probably disruptive to an existing business process uh, and and help our customer, whoever it is, um, do things in a new and and more effective way. So the first company I was at, which I was not the founder of, uh, but it was on the executive team, was called Movie Phone. It was like the new way to go to the movies back in the uh, early to mid nineties. My company, Return Path, which I ran for 20 years until we sold it in 2019, um, invented uh, a whole new process um, for sending commercial email to make that more effective. Uh, And email is obviously a huge marketing channel now. Um, And uh, Bolster is, uh, you know, changing the way people find executive talent. Um, But the second through line, which is kind of, I, I think, equally important, if not more important, is a through line of scaling people. And, um, uh, you know, the, the whole reason I became an entrepreneur in the first place was that I, I had a lot of ideas and a lot of passion around, you know, some business ideas, but I also had a lot of passion around creating a different kind of workplace that, um, you know, would really be, uh, extraordinarily engaging, uh, and inspiring for people to come to work every day. And, uh, you know, and therefore would build a business with competitive advantage and, um, you know, I had developed a lot of thoughts on that in my early career. We put a lot of it into practice at Return Path. And now what we're doing at Bolster is we're trying to actually spread that to other companies um, because our whole solution is about leadership teams and boards scaling more effectively and more efficiently. Hmm. Okay. I think uh, that's, I mean, first of all, I have to admit um, when you said one of the first ventures you were in, Movie Phone, I laughed. You, do you know why I laughed a little bit? I threw you off and I felt bad. No, no, and no. If no, you're no, listening, no. you didn't see that. I've been, okay. I, I was, uh, that's been with me my whole career. So you laughed because of the Seinfeld episode, it's I'm tough. guessing. 
That's exactly what I thought of. Yes. That's a, yeah, and that's a good thing, man. It makes people smile. It's like this no, picture behind me, Chris Farley. You know what I mean? Like the, the um, funniest thing. The funniest thing about that Seinfeld episode is um, the two really funny things about it. One is um, the guy that did the movie phone voice, which a lot of people sort of remember as like this very kitschy voice, Mister Movie Phone. They actually had him on set when they were filming it, and mm-hmm. at the very end, when they're doing the ending credits, like after that last commercial. And and the Mr. Movie Phone character is like banging on on Kramer's door. Um, that's actually the guy. Uh, that was one of the founders of Movie Phone. Um, so that was one fun thing. The other fun thing is that whole episode was, which was about Movie Phone, was about Kramer uh, mixing up his phone number with Movie Phone, getting all these calls from people, and yeah. uh, Kramer looking up movies for them, right, and pretending essentially to be a voice recognition system. Which in 1995, when that episode came out, was almost non-existent. We were working on a voice recognition system at the time, which we ended up deploying about two years later. Um, so having Kramer as sort of our, um, you know, uh, MVP, I guess, uh, <laughs> was, uh, it was pretty interesting. I love that. And um, it's, it's one of those things where, like, I got, like, I used to watch Seinfeld all the time when that came out, right? And then I just kind of sat in the shelf, didn't look at it. Then Netflix re-released it, and I started watching it. I'm like, ah, I need something just to make me laugh. It's only 20 minutes long, you know, perfect. And I started, like, getting back into him. I actually have my wife into him now. She never used to watch him and my kid. And so um, one, of my, one of my kids likes it, too. So anyway, it's just funny that um, you did that. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. Sorry to throw the whole interview off kilter, um, but uh, love the concept of, of what you're doing. And it, it is really complex to find people in that startup phase. And so what would you say, like, who's the sweet spot of who you serve? Like, are we talking seed? Are we talking zero to 10 million? Like, what's kind of the sweet spot of the, uh, the startups that you serve? You know, it's actually the great thing about our business is because the, the other side of the marketplace is senior executives. Um, right. So it's about companies hiring senior executives and you can hire a senior executive to do anything. Right. The same person can do a 30 minute expert consultation and be on your board. Um, the reality is that we serve um, companies at any size. We may do slightly different things for them, uh, but we have companies that are pre product market fit, uh, you know, pre pre seed bootstrapped. And we've done some public company work. Um, most of our work, I would say, happens sort of between the seed or the pre-seed round and Series B or C. Uh, but we've done things on both sides of that too. Okay, awesome. So let's get into your your go to market because I think it's it's fascinating. You know that you're you're leveraging content and you know you you do events a lot. I found a lot of success in that route as well. So walk me through that exactly, like. Like, because to to hit four million in a couple of years, I think is is fantastic, especially with the the niche market that you're targeting. So, walk me through how that works and and like how you kind of approach it. Would love to hear that. 
Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things about being two and a half years old. I wouldn't say we figured it all out yet, but, um, you know, our, so our go-to-market is a mix. We have, um, we have a lot of partners. As I said, we partner with um, VCs and studios and accelerators who are usually collaborating on searches with CEOs. Um, we have a strategic partnership with one of our shareholders, Silicon Valley Bank, which has 30, 35,000 startups as, as banking customers. Um, and I would say all of those partnerships are about driving very high level awareness of what we do. Um, the content um, is is a limitless source of um, a limitless source of lead generation. So you know the the three books themselves are uh, must be four hundred thousand words or five hundred thousand words of content. Uh, we've written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of blog posts. Um, obviously, I love appearing on shows like this wherever possible. Um, and we're very generous with our content. We have a very, you know, sort of give first mentality around, um, helping, uh, founders and CEOs. Um, and, um, uh, the, uh, you know, events, the, the number of people that want to run events about any, about something we can talk about is very high. So we have a lot of range within bolster. Um, you know, I do talks about, you know, how to work with a coach, uh, to a room full of CEOs. I can also do a talk about why it's important to have diversity on your board and independent board members and kind of anything in between. And I'm one of eight co-founders. Uh, so uh, a lot of us uh, speak and generate content, not just me. Nice. Uh, but okay. ultimately, at the end of the day, we, we are relying on our marketplace platform to generate some of its own business um, that, you know, it, it, we have things built into it that should pull other people and other companies into it. Uh, for one purpose or another, and then hopefully get them hooked uh, and using us for more. Okay. So are you, so eight co-founders, that's, that's, uh, that's a big, it's a big, uh, I don't want to say crowd, but that's, that's it's a, a large number. <laughs> so, um, so are you, are you kind of approaching it where you're providing like educational seminars to your marketplace and, or are you talking live events or like, like we'd love to break it down. Like, okay, how many pieces of content do you make a week? How many webinars? Like, what's your kind of strategy in terms of approaching it? Or maybe monthly would be better than weekly. Yeah, I, I don't know that it's that um, that it's that regimented. Uh, you know, we probably um, you know in terms of, of producing content every month, uh, eight to ten pieces, I would guess, between blog posts or white papers or infographics, etc. Um, and uh, you know, in terms of of events. Um, you know, that's, that's amped up a lot in the last few months because now people are willing to do events in person again. And there's sort of this like pent up, Hey, I haven't done an event since 2019. Uh, so, you know, we're doing this week, uh, or last week we did four events. Um, oh, so, wow. yeah, some, and some live and some virtual and not all, certainly not all me, but, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, startup and scale up ecosystems are huge. I mean, they're, you know, tens and thousands of companies in America, hundreds of thousands of companies. So there's uh, a lot of activity going on right now, and it's good to be able to, uh, to be out there with all the founders and, and talk to them about their, their challenges and how we can help. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of need for, for what you're doing, especially on the people side, because that's, that's typically one of the first answers they look for is who. So what would you say like, is your single best strategy for, for growing a business then? that you've leveraged, not just here, but across our other startups that, that you've created? Um, this is going to sound weird, but uh, I, you know, I think our 
number one strategy for building a big business is having a great culture. Um, and that was our philosophy at our last company. And it's the philosophy that our eight founders brought from our last company to this company. Uh, and you know, it's very simple. We, at our last company, we called it a, that we had a people first culture. We don't quite use the same word in here, but it's, it's, you know, certainly a similar, similar ethos. Um, and it's really simple that we, you know, we have a, a fundamental belief that, um, if we, uh, are the most engaging place to work, um, and the best place to work and, um, you know, a great place for people to do their best work every day with other high performers, um, we will attract and retain the best talent pool and we'll retain them longer than anyone else. And if we get that piece right, then we will build the best products and services and have the best customer service um, and have the happiest customers and the most customers and the most revenue. Um, and if we get that right, then we'll deliver well for our shareholders. Um, so we are very much a, a uh, have that orientation of start with the people. Okay. So two follow-up questions on that. How do you create that? And then how do you maintain or synthesize it, I guess, over time? Um, you, you create it by, you have to start by, by caring. Um, and that sounds kind of dumb, but the number of people out there who who actually don't care um, uh, is is pretty high, and um, uh, you know it starts by having um, values at the center of everything you do as a company, uh, guiding your decisions, and having those values rooted in the philosophy that um, people today are, uh, you know, are generally in certainly in businesses like the ones I've been in over the years. You hire smart people. Um, and people thrive in environments where uh, they can learn and grow, uh, where they have great purpose, and where they have the opportunity to be creative and to solve a problem, not just um, follow steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know that's been you know kind of at the at the root of everything we've done to try to build uh, to build great culture over the years. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot there's a lot more that goes into it than that, but that those are the, that's the starting point. Okay. So that's, that's the starting point. And then like, how do you, cause obviously people are unique and unpredictable, right? So what are, is there a framework that you leverage or like a rhythm on a continuous basis to, cause like there, it's funny to enforce that, that value system or that culture on a continuous basis that, that you do as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the, the, um, the tricks that I figured out, you know, maybe, 10 years in to the journey of at my last company, Return Path, which was a 20-year run. So it probably took me 10 to figure it out, <clears throat> but then 10 to, to execute against it, um, is that um, the, the key to scaling a culture is to remove the dependency of you as the founder or you as the CEO um, as the, the key steward of the culture. Look, you're, if you run a business or a large department of any kind, of course, people are going to look to you for things. Of course, you're going to be a champion of, um, of the culture and, and, and emblematic of the culture. Um, but if you're the only one driving it in the company, it's going to be really hard for it to scale. And when you can effectively partner with your chief people officer or your head of HR, or whatever you call that person, um, 
to weave the culture and the values into all of the basic business processes, um, then the culture takes root and then everyone in the company is a steward of the culture, not just you. So for example, um, you know, if you have strong, a strong set of values or you know, cultural tenets, you should be interviewing against them. Um, you don't wait for people to show up at the door to figure out if it should show up at their first day to figure out if they're a good fit or not. You have to interview against that. Um, you have to compensate against that. You have to give people raises. Uh, uh, sorry, you have to give people uh, uh, promotions and new opportunities um, against that. And, uh, and you have to give people assignments uh, against that as well. So, um, you know, it's sort of the weaving of, of, um, of a basic business process and sort of employee life cycle process with culture and values that's really been the, the um, uh, you know, the, the main framework for driving that over the years. So, and, and then, so have you read the book Vivid Vision at all? I haven't, but, no. I, have feel, but I have a feeling I'm about to. <laughs> well, I didn't know it's it's about creating that crystal clear vision with everything written out from a value and what it looks like, what it feels like perspective. Is there a process similar or something like that that you you do to establish that value framework that you create? Um, we've uh, at both uh, my last company and this company, we've co-created it with the team. Um, oh, nice. So, um, you know, it was actually really an, it, kind of an interesting story at, at our last company. We, we didn't write them down for many years, like five, six, seven years, something like that. And we got to over 100 people. And, uh, and I said, OK, I think it's time to codify our culture. And we did this, this amazing exercise where we had everybody in the company broken up by, uh, into teams. So we had like 10 teams of 12 or 12 teams of 10 or something. And it was random groupings. It was like alphabetical by first name. Uh, and, uh, each team had the same assignment, which was to go away and write down what they thought the company's values were. Um, and then a parallel one, they had to write down what they thought our strategy was and what they thought our key initiatives were for that year. But, but just to focus on culture and values, you know, so 120 people go off in, in 10 or 12 pods and, and, you know, try to write down the articulation of, of the company's values and what the executive team got back. We were a little bit afraid of what we were going to get back. We're like, we're going to get like 12 completely different things. But, you know, in fact, the company had such a strong culture and a strong set of values that what we got back from each team was almost identical across the board. Wow. Uh, so that, that said to us that we had done a very intentional job of building a culture, even if we hadn't done a good job of articulating it. Um, but the wording of it was crowdsourced. Uh, it was crowdsourced from the whole company. Then we put together a shared doc with our compilation of it and let people in there editing and commenting and you know got to a place where where it was publishable and and that kind of became doctrine from there um and we did a similar process here we just did it a lot earlier because we knew it was a, a key underpinning of things but what we do now actually is we edit it every year so now we have a remote workforce like lots of companies we're a lot smaller um and every year when we do our um our all hands in person once a year we get everyone together we spend a couple hours uh, in small groups, editing our values, editing what we call our operating system, our operating framework, just to make sure that it's still serving the needs of the business and the needs of the people in the business. That's awesome. I, I think <clears throat> I love just uh, the way you did it. And like you're saying, like you truly weaved it into the culture. If I mean, you had nothing written down and they came back with the same thing, which is awesome. And I, I haven't seen very many people do that. So 
we're just about up on time. It was also a relief. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't. You didn't get slapped across the face with the oh oh shit moment of like, oh, this is not good. Um, What what would you say is uh, your single single biggest challenge that you're running into now growing? Um, well, there's a there's a very uh, hopefully short term tactical one, and then I'll be I'll be more thoughtful too. Short term tactical one is a lot of people aren't hiring right now, and we're in the jobs business. Um, but that that will change over time. Um, you know, I think the the biggest challenge that we that we run into is this go to market challenge of like how do you uh, how do you establish a brand and how do you establish yourself as the new way to do something? How do you change people's habits when the customer is uh, you know is the CEO or even the VC with super limited attention span uh, and um, and a, and a solution that is episodic in need. It's not like it's needed every day. Um, so I think we're getting there. Um, you know, it, it's uh, one part product construction and, uh, you know, one part how we meet the market. Um, but, uh, but that's definitely the challenge. Well, it was really, it was a pleasure having you on, Matt. And I could probably talk to you for another hour or two just on some of this and geek out on it. So uh, but where can people find out more about you? Where can they find out more about Bolster? And then we'll take it from there. Uh, yeah. So my blog is startupceo.com, uh, which is the name of the first book, Startup CEO. And uh, Bolster is bolster.com. Uh, it's, it's an easy one. And, um, you know, anyone who's a senior executive can join as a member uh, or even or if you're a coach, uh, you could join as a member. Uh, and if you are in a hiring position at, at a company, your CEO, or um, you know maybe head of talent, uh, you can join as a client, and uh, we'd love to have you in our community. Wow, awesome! Well, great work, Matt. It was awesome having you on the show. Thank you for uh, sharing your insights, and uh, it was a pleasure having you. All right, thanks, Ryan. Good to talk to you. Thank you for checking out the Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.